Hello, good morning, and welcome. Obviously, with Kelvin out this next couple of weeks, we're going to have an early start. But this is our last live program this year. So give us a call, 580-5436-580-KIDO. Or you can shoot us an email. It's Dave at PetsoFinancial.net. What a year. I mean, seriously, what a year this has been. We're at record highs on the Dow and the NASDAQ. They keep setting them week after week. We'll come back to that. And the S&P is less than 1% from its all-time high. In a year, this was not supposed to happen. In the year where we knew there would be a recession, because everybody told us that, all the economists knew there would be a recession because interest rates had risen so much. Recession or not, things slowed down very dramatically in the first half of the year. Now everybody's sure that interest rates are going to get cut next year. Guess what? I'm not sure at all. That's not a guess. I'm just going, I'm not sure at all. I I wouldn't bet the farm on that at all. I think that's totally unnecessary, though, to bet the farm on anything. Except that the market will hit all-time highs somewhere down the road. Because 100% of the time it does. 100% of the time, the market marches to all-time highs after it has market corrections. 100% of the time. But people still call for the coming crash. I got two, two forwards from clients this week on some weird article about from Harry Dent, who hasn't been right since, I don't know, 2008 or nine. I mean, literally, he's not been right about anything. He's a, I thought he was gone. I thought maybe he'd passed away. I, I Seriously, I hadn't heard a thing. And now, what do you think about this, Dave? I was like, uh, part 41 of the doomsday is coming out. Welcome to December. This is what December is. It's... The month of doomsday predictions. It kind of runs all fall, but, you know, they take advantage of, oh, this coming October, because October's scary. It happens. I know. They come out and talk about the coming collapse. Why? I guess if they get one right, like a stopped watch, that they get to, you know, stay in business for a while longer, screaming doomsday. But the, but the thing is, is, is it uh, so let's suppose Harry Doomsday Dent said it got it right in 2008. OK, so Doomsday Dent comes along. He goes, eh, it's, uh, the sky's falling, sky's falling, sky's falling. Guess what? It, it kind of sort of did in 08, right? It was really bummer of a year. Bad. Bad into 09. So I'm pretty sure in the spring of 09, he changed and he became... Um, dreamy dent, not doomsday. Like, better days are ahead, you know? Dreamy dent. But he didn't. So really, what's the point? Sky is falling, sky is falling, sky is falling, and then you get it right, it finally falls from all-time highs, and then it's like you never do anything different except say that, you know, sky is falling. And so what do you do with that? 
so really the the truth of it being right once in a while isn't even true because it's not because we have corrections on the way to all-time highs but this year particularly is interesting to me and I, but I don't know why people are just like going crazy about this it's like well the market's done better than anybody expected and, and why this is a depressing bring bring everybody out of the woodwork who is proclaiming doom I don't know but it happens and I got two of these I mean that's like crazy like people know better what do you mean what do I think of a guy that just sits there and goes Sky is falling. Sky is falling. I don't think anything. I think he's a moron. I, 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 why? I, what? My question is: is a why anybody would be printing him other than to sell you know gold bars on the side? Uh, second of all, why would anybody be listening? Why would anybody care? Why do we pick and choose? Like, what do you think of this really bad one over here? What about the ten ones you just went by? Where you know. These all folks all think that the you know the, they're going to cut interest rates and the it's time to buy stocks. Oh, I don't watch those. I just look for a doomsday dent. <laughs> God. This is something psychologically we really need to dive into sometime. I'm mean, seriously because it really makes no sense. All right. So as we're thinking about this year and we're thinking about positioning in this year, we have to remind ourselves that at the beginning of the year, literally all of Wall Street, all of Wall Street. <clears throat> was saying you can't own tech stocks, which are now up 43% as represented by the NASDAQ. 43%. Wow. I mean, really, wow. That, isn't that something? 43% in, in a year. Even more from the October lows. Way over 50%. That's just crazy. Absolutely crazy. The s and is up 24%. Not supposed to have a good year at all. And it's 24. That's a substantial, important thing to remember as we're listening to all the predictions about 24. And it's also really important to remember this. Predictions are irrelevant. They're wrong. By some magnitude, they're wrong. Okay? Can we at least say that? They're, this prediction of doomsday will, uh, by some magnitude, be wrong. This person's prediction of happy days are here again on some level will be wrong. It also can be like this year where you're so wrong, but you're not just wrong about the returns overall. You're wrong about the sectors. Really badly wrong. So, Coming into the year, we can't own tech stocks. We need to keep focusing on value stocks, which had performed very well in 22 for the first time in forever. But they did. They way outperformed the tech stocks. And that was going to continue. That's what you were told. And instead, we have the Magnificent Seven or whatever new groovy name we want to have for you know, the 5, 10, 15, 20 stocks that just rock the world and, pull, and push the indices. And they change. But we now have the Magnificent Seven that are up something like 70% collectively. Those Just those seven stocks. But they told us not to buy those. Instead, focus on the value stocks, which until this past month had gone up zero for the year. 70% zero. 
So you also have within the prediction world, different sectors have to get it right if we're going to pay any attention. So here's what I think about the prediction world. I predict they'll continue to predict incorrectly by some magnitude, almost always a large enough magnitude that it makes them more than wrong. It means you're going literally the wrong direction. You're buying the wrong things at the wrong time. They're wrong. Because you don't have predictions like Warren Buffett, Peter Lynch, Michael Price, and John Templeton have. The predictions of, we don't make market outlook predictions. We own corporations. We're not out making sector bets. We own companies. Companies we think are greatly undervalued. Next question. Well, what is your market prediction next year? As Warren Buffett says so eloquently, we don't have a market correction. We've never had a market correction, and we never will have a market correction. But we can't seem to stop ourselves from asking that very question, even to people who have told us before. It's a question I get all the time. It's an answer I never have. It's still a question I get every time, every week. What do you think about the market? What do you think about interest rates? I had a really good client one time who goes, but that's because they want to know your opinion. I mean, they, 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 they just want to know what you think. I said, no, I take that as a compliment. I'm, done, I'm not saying that. I'm saying it's more important for me to admit I don't know what the market's going to do. And I'm not trying to teach every second I live, but it's hard for me not to when it comes to my thing. My thing is finance. And my thing is saying, no. You can't go around making predictions. It's silly. It's irrelevant, and it makes your brain go the wrong direction. I don't mean just it's like wrong because it makes you wrong in your prediction. It means you're thinking about the wrong things. We shouldn't be thinking about the market. We should be reacting to the market. When tech stocks are down 20, 30, 40%, the greatest corporations in the world, I'm talking Apple, I'm talking Google, I'm talking Amazon, for crying out loud. I think Meta was down, Facebook, was down 70% into September, October last year. Not this immediate back, but a year, you know, 14 months ago. <clears throat> All we have to do is look at that and go, not go, not listen. Keep, keep the TV turned off because what were they telling you? Not to, buy, not to buy them. You can't. They're high P.E. ratios in a rising interest rate environment. Simple. Everybody just... Blabber the same thing. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. The guy at J.P. Morgan, really smart. Guy over there at Schwab, super good. That gal over there, woo. Man, they are all saying the same thing super smartly, and so they must be really right on it. So next year, don't own tech stocks. Here's what I say. I mean, seriously, not, this is not a hindsight thing. It's an every-time thing. When the greatest corporations in the world, I mean literally great companies, go down, 25% or more, you start buying. Stop listening. Just stop listening to the talking heads that pretend to be bearish, you know, after they've already been super bullish and the market goes down and vice versa. I mean, that, that to me is just like common sense. If you can't time the market, and 
and pick the future and know the future with any certainty, what I can know with absolute certainty is that I am buying something 25 30% discounted to what everybody thought was a great company like a year ago or whatever it was, whatever it took them amount of time to drop 30%. And you know what? It's going to go down now 40. It'll go down another 5 or 10. So if you want to ease into that, then ease into it. But what you don't want to do is sit around and go, hmm, I don't know. Let me here. Let me listen to another hour of them screaming and yelling at me. Bye, bye, bye. Well, what do you think about Apple? It's tech stock. You can't do it. And, they, and, keep, and get more and more inputs of fussiness into your head so that when the tech stocks take off, when nobody's expecting it because there isn't an announcement and it just they go like they did this year you're going man i i just, wow okay that that was my chance to buy amazon off 40% i guess well i i i i'm not going to do that because now it's high priced again you see we get trapped like if we can't get the lowest price or when is the right moment of entering so we say as we head into these oftentimes i, I can't wait until we get a discount in the market and i'm going to buy and what do we do? We're frozen, man. I mean, we just, uh, I can't do it. And so we freeze. And, 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 and so when I say we just have to react to the market, what the conditions are right now, that's what I'm saying. What is cheap? What is dear? What can we do? And we'll talk about that. But, but you know what? It's not like the market is like crazy cheap either. But there were some crazy cheap things until... Two months ago, they got not crazy cheap anymore. That's the way it goes sometimes. Almost all the time, really, where something will sit there and test your patience. It'll do nothing. So as we see this year, I'll wrap it up this way. As we see this year evolving and the lessons it's given us that are just magnificent lessons, this isn't to make fun of people. It's to... Learn lessons, because whenever I talk about something 30 years ago or 20 years ago, the Great Recession, the tech bubble, the, the run-up in growth stocks, the air.com, all those funny things that happen, they happened so long ago. We kind of like push them in the background and go, you know, people were so stupid. I guess I kind of was too. I guess I, 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 I kind of bought a bunch of air.com stuff too. I did sell out a bunch of stuff in 08. I shouldn't have done that. But anyway, that was too long ago, so it really is. No, we need our lessons like right here. See, because they're right here in front of us, and we remember our feelings at that time because it's so close. This year, we start off the year, and it's doom and gloom. Bad year. Bad year 22. Bad, bad, bad. Right? especially the tech stocks, got whacked. And so then Wall Street, which is expected a good year in 22, was wrong, and then so they shifted gears. And then they started beating up on the very stocks that they were recommending at the beginning of the year, and they pile on the other direction. Once again, Wall Street is always in this game of trying to keep up with whatever it is that actually happened in the market, pretending that they gave some foresight into that. And they didn't. They were running the other direction. And I don't mean all of them. Sometimes people are just kind of like, well, we're pretty bullish here. We get some good people we follow. They were dead wrong this year, by the way, for the first time in like 15 years. They've been incredibly accurate. 
Incredibly good. Which goes to show you, it doesn't matter who you are, you're going to be wrong. Sometimes by a lot. By some magnitude, you're wrong all the time. So as we generally are talking about this year, you then roll into the summer when a many, many, many of the bearish people on the market, right? Because coming off of 22, it was a terrible year. So we knew that just was going to continue, and the easiest thing to do is to be a strategist on Wall Street and just predict what happened yesterday to keep predicting that will keep happening. And then when it doesn't for a while, then you change gears and you're a genius again on top of the trend. That's perfect how you keep your job. Wall Street. It's worthless. I mean, 100% worthless, but it, but it, 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 it's how you keep your job. Because everybody seems to have to have an opinion on Wall Street instead of admitting we don't know. So we get there, and now by the summer, everybody now, finally, I think it was Morgan Stanley was like the last one, like, like the, the last bear. It's like, all right, I'm, I'm bullish now. And that, of course, marked the top of the market. It did, and I'm not making fun of the whatever, Morgan Stanley guy. So then the market has a two-month terrible time, and pretty close to gives up almost all their gains for the year. Okay? And broadly in the S&P, it did. And then everybody's negative because we know interest rates are going to not be coming down, and, it, and they've risen a, a fair amount in the last couple months, and everybody gets doom and gloom again. And now what? The market rips higher for the final part of the year. And the very stocks that hadn't been good all year started to go good, really good like real estate, utilities, took off. You don't have to predict these things. And I'll come back to that, and we'll talk a little bit more about real estate, utilities, things like that. And some other things that look reasonable priced. But we've got to stop and reflect from time to time what the inputs are that we're getting, what our feelings were, what we're owning and learn lessons from those things. We need to do that periodically. And when we get a year, two couple years back to back like this, 22 and 23, where we have so much wrong-sided behavior and so much noise that it's just such a great, like, here's decade worth of lessons right here just boom wow wow i could have learned so much over the past two years way more than i deserve over a two-year period to learn that's what we've got this is just a beautiful clinic we're seeing all right we got to take a quick break and our number is 580-5436-580-KIDO it's dave at petsofinancial.net We'll be right back. Hello, welcome, and Merry Christmas to everybody. I, it's just hard to believe that uh, 23 is just about ready to set. Week to go, and we're done. Boy, you know, 2023, it wasn't, uh, man, I, just, I can't believe, right? I remember the turning over 2000 seems so far away. So here we are, 2023, getting ready to roll to 24 is just about in the bag. And what a fascinating year. We have now had, by the way, um, just to add to how remarkable this run has been in the last couple of months, this is, I think, eight weeks in a row. And the first time, eight week, weekly gains in a row. Not, not, not one negative week in there. It's like there is no war in the Middle East. 
There is no stumbling, bumbling president. Congress is getting along, ready to pass le good legislation. Something? Anything? Good leaders abound? I can't wait for Republicans to lose the fifth election in a row, right? I mean, we've got, you know, in, in our infinite wisdom, we got Trump again. And the Democrats, they got, they got a stumbling bumbler that the, the Democrats don't like. They don't want him. It's nothing makes sense unless we separate our feelings, our thoughts, separate them. This doesn't make sense in a political sense. It doesn't make sense for the welfare of the country. It doesn't make sense that we argue about, I mean, it's an inarguable thing. You've got a completely incompetent, but that's okay because she checks all the boxes, person running a major university. And then they, she proves how stumbling, bumbling, and incompetent she is. And then on top of that, she plagiarizes everything. It's not even, and, and, and she doesn't lose her job. This is the world we live in. So our education system is completely inept. We're focusing on all the wrong things. Just check a box and make people hate each other. And but that's okay because we're DEIing or whatever it is. But what is really going on in the economy is that corporations are navigating this fine. They're 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 not having to deal with that. Sure. They've got a bunch of snowflakes in there uh, that work for them, but they also have good people, too. Not everyone. Not every young person's a snowflake. They're not. And so you, you, you have some people that are really out there doing it, and you certainly have corporations that are knocking it out of the park. And you also have this, this transition happening now that is A.I., I, I know we're all going to get tired at some point about hearing about AI and what it's going to do or wonder if we're all going to be terminated. But it's a big thing. It's already changing Silicon Valley. And, and I don't mean because there's new companies coming up. I'm talking about the big companies there that are laying off programming engineers, coding. The people that code, the well, AI does that now. It's like, it does. And it does it better, faster, of course. Cheaper. Better, faster, cheaper. Hmm, I think I might go that direction. And so they're literally laying those folks off or shifting them to other areas because we don't need them anymore. What does that look like? At $500,000 a job or whatever the price is, it's pretty high. That looks like a lot more profitability dropping to the bottom line. So maybe we have to reassess earnings down the road on some of these companies and all the other opportunities there are in things you can't even think of. You know, I was, it's, it's interesting this, this past couple of years, there's finally some travel coming up, you know, that you might want to go to, you know, everything used to be a zoom meeting, right? And, and there's lots of those. And that's, it's kind of a nice benefit too. You don't have to get on a plane, but there is something about going and, and just like, this is where you are. This, this is it. You're just submersed. You know, you're not going to do this thing for 30 minutes and then off to something else. You are submersed in trying to, uh, 
you know, learn some stuff about different products in, the, in, in an investment company. So anyway, I went back to T. Rowe Price and then and spent a couple of days. And it's just like you're just immersed in this stuff. And it was like sitting there going, you know, I, I love doing this. It's out of the way. It's hard to, you know, all that stuff. But it's fun when you're in there and engaged with people that are really smart and you're having a good time thinking things through. And you find out, too, because these folks are right on top of all of this stuff, some areas of AI that are investable, meaning I'm not saying NVIDIA isn't investable. It obviously is. But it's not like you discovered it. <laughs> it's, it's like it's, it's already up 300% this year, 300% this year, right? It's up a ton. It's like nobody knew who this company was and, you know, a few years ago, and now they're suddenly one of the most valuable in the world. That's a big run. Big, big, big. But are there others? And you find out that there are. There are others that are out there that, that maybe they make a little electric cord. Seriously, this, there's a company that makes an electrical cord that enables these computers to work better. And better means work because it doesn't matter how much you pay for that cord. It's like, well, they, they charge 10 times as much as the other cord. Doesn't matter. It runs one, you know, one one hundredth of a millisecond faster. That's all, that's all that matters. We pay a million dollars for that cord, whatever it is. And you find out there's companies that are doing that and it, it, around this, that, that allow for supercomputing, that aren't in the headlines. And that's fun. That's fun for me. So you see this is widening out as well of what AI is doing. So... Yes, we're all going to get more, you know, we're going to get richer before we die is the AI thing I'm thinking is probably the new bumper sticker. But it, it is just, it's fascinating how many different areas are coming out of this. And AI was just kind of like, boom, in 23, it's here. It wasn't here before. And then all of a sudden, it is. And that's the thing. That's this, that's this slow to fast that happens all the time think it happens in so many different industries right slowly 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 nobody knows about it it's irrelevant people have forgot about it right and then it's gone it goes to the moon and that's that if you will that's the exponential thing in technology where you go from Let's just call it, uh, let's just use, because this is true of all technology, but we're going to use the digital camera. The Kodak if, remarkably gave away. It's just unbelievable. They're, they invented it. They invented it and then and, and gave it away, and it's what killed them. Isn't it? It's just a bizarre, it's a bizarre trip, man. It is really bizarre reading about that and thinking, how, how could they do that? But anyway, Kodak... So they had one pixel. One finally grew to two. Completely irrelevant. But let's say that took like 18 months. And then a year later, it became four. Irrelevant. Eight. Irrelevant. 16. Irrelevant. Not relevant for a long, long, long time. Several years. Tick, 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 tick. Digital, schmidgital. Who cares? And then a thousand pixels becomes two, becomes four thousand, becomes eight, becomes tens of thousands. 
and the technology explodes. It's nothing, it's slow, and then it's super fast and wipes out an entire industry, changes everything, everything for photography, everything. And that's true across the board. So when we think things are slow, they're really not necessarily slow. They're still doubling, but they're doubling from a zero or near zero and takes a while. And then that exponential climb rips higher. Got to take a break. Our number is 580-5436-580-KIDO. Dave at PetzalFinancial.net. We'll be right back. Hello, welcome, and thank you for joining us. 580-5436-580-KIDO. Coming to the conclusion of a phenomenal year, just incredible year. Let's go ahead and go to the phones. Terry, thanks for calling. Go ahead, please. Good morning, Professor. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. I don't really have a question. I just wanted to thank you for the work you're doing to let me, in my my short attention span, just sort of amble through life anymore. It's, <laughs> it's so much more fun. You know, Terry, we um, yesterday. That's funny you say that. It's uh, but th- thank you first of all, and and um, we were talking. Uh, Jennifer and I were uh, did a recording yesterday. Where I, I mean, she she's kind enough to help me do it. Sit in there, and um, you know, and make suggestions about what to talk about. So uh, it's just it's great because you know. So we, so you, you kind of hunker down for for next week's program actually, and. We got on talking, or I got talking about um, the, this idea of, of, if you will, taking this weight off. And that was one of the things that uh, uh, Jennifer pointed out as we were doing this, is that you have to be thinking about how much, how much you put onto yourself. You just take this huge burden and how some people are just struggle with it. So anyway, hopefully you, everybody will enjoy it next week. We enjoyed doing it. I know both of us did, uh, even though Jennifer didn't talk on it. It was still—I still think of it as collaborative. And it was just one of those things where you're just talking about really how some people let it go and some don't, and they just can't. I, I don't know what it is. But if when you can reach that point where you let go of that horrible pressure of making all your decisions in your life— it's hard. It's just hard because people are under a lot of pressure. Do I buy? Do I sell? Do I do this? And how am I going to make my money last? All of those things without help can be a really difficult thing. It, it, we, we come back to the what, what's the term time value of money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And once you learn that I've, I've got time for other stuff because I'm not worried about the money now, once you can say, this is investment money, five years from now I might look at it again, or whatever. You have time, you let it ride, like you keep saying. Yeah, you do. And it doesn't matter if you're 75 years old. It just doesn't, it doesn't matter. You don't start thinking, this is when I'm going to die. It, you should have learned through your 75-year life, let's call it 55, 50-year-plus 50 as an adult, that markets fluctuate. It doesn't mean you're going to die. It's just they go up and down. And why would you start worrying about it after you've seen this for 50 years? I don't know, but people do. I get it. People keep uh, looking at me uh, with a stern look of disapproval every time I root for the markets to go down just so I can buy some more. (laughs) It's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, 
That's right. But anyway, I just wanted to thank you and, thank and you, uh, keep yep. making money, and we'll uh, carry on and find something to do with it. That's it. You got it. All right. You have a great rest of the day, and, and Merry Christmas, Terry. Thank you. Thank you, David. Our number is 580-5436-580-KIDO. It's Dave at PetzalFinancial.net if you prefer email. It's just fine. I, You know, I, I just I can't help it. I'm going to go one more quick lesson for this year. I, I, I think that's it for today. We'll see what happens. But one more thought based on something that Terry just, just kind of tossed out that, that I think is really, really incredibly important. How is it that people were in the market in 23 to get these gains, especially when it comes to tech stocks? When, when everything is pointed against them, 22 was a terrible year. Everybody's saying get out. How, how, how is it that some people, many people actually, just hung in there? And I think that's exactly the point. Because they just go, eh, they go up, they go down. Then they go at all-time highs. That's it. People learn. And maybe it's, you know, I, okay, I, you know, I don't want to hurt myself patting ourselves on the back, but this is what we teach. This is what we do. This is what many advisors do. Just, you got to ride them out. Relax. Quit worrying about these things. Quit wondering what I think about this crazy doomsday dent article. I don't think anything of it. He's never right. Why are, why are you finding these things? Stop it. There's no point in digging up more and more data to confirm what you already believe. Honestly, I really, really mean this, and I don't mean this to be insulting. I think that's a really good time, good way to spend your time to become dumber, more entrenched, more certain of what you already believe. Is not smarter. It's dumber. You reach a point where you will allow no other inputs in. You are certain that the world is ending. Let me go dig some more data up to prove that. That's not becoming smarter. Not at all. Not at all. Our number is 580-5436-580-KIDO. Need to take our final break this hour. Maybe you'll join us. We'll be right back. Hello, welcome, and once again, thank you for joining us. Uh, kind of wrapping up our 2023. And I've talk, I wanted to talk a little bit about 24 as well. But, you know, again, I we're not here to predict. And so... I say this with absolute, you know, humility and knowledge that on some, by some magnitude, what I'm saying will be wrong. Okay? By some magnitude. And that is, as as, as we talk about looking at ground conditions, and I wanted to talk about this again. I, I've talked about the slow to fast on technology. It happens in the markets, too. And what I mean by that is that sometimes it can take a long time to recognize certain things. And then it's fast, right? Because prices suddenly change. So what we have seen in the last two months is a broadening out of this market rally that began with the Magnificent Seven. 
And all year long, everybody was making their excuses why they were bearish and stayed bearish and were therefore not performing very well at all. Or why they were sticking with their value stocks because the Magnificent Seven was the only thing working. So uh, all the excuses are all the time of, as to why you don't own the, the, the winners that are driving the market. I totally get that, okay? It's tiresome, but it, it happens. So as we look at that, and you have to say, for example, I, I had this conversation with a client early in the year. No, probably, probably not that early, middle of the year, when it was really kind of rough for a couple of real estate holdings that he had, some value plays, you know, of course, those are always the ones, you know, well, of course I own Google, and of course my Apple's doing well, and yes, I've got some Amazon. Okay, fine. So not every little thing, but we need to find those those little things that aren't working really well and talk about them. But it wasn't anything defensive. I simply stated that this is a very interesting time for REITs, real estate investment trusts, which are publicly traded. They're, they're stocks of real estate companies. They have some different tax characteristics, et cetera. That's just, you know, than, than regular common stock, but that's what they are. And the largest one out there, there's not a reason for you to buy it, just I'm telling you what happened, was, is Prologis. And I have no idea what Prologis has to do with see-through office buildings in San Francisco. They do logistics. They build Amazon facilities and, and, and anybody else. They do shipping buildings. Those big giant warehouses you see. Every airport you go to has a Prologis building. It's the biggest REIT there is. And they're killing it. They just continue. Their, their, their cash flow is just enormous. Their, their sales, their, their rents go up crazily. They've got a billion dollars worth of, of land that they haven't built on yet. It's, it's, a, it's a machine. But Nobody likes real estate. <laughs> so the, the biggest component of the XLRE, which is the ETF of real estate, the biggest component, of course, is the biggest REIT. So all of these, remember, we have to go back to the computers are what control 80% of the black boxes. And they're all set to, if the Fed says interest rates or this is, I know, you know, they're set to different things, right? or let's say slow down in the economy, something like that, then they instantly will buy or sell a sector based on that. Just like instant. They're just day trading things. But if there's you know rising interest rates, bad for real estate, what are they going to do? Well, they sell the XLRE, the biggest component of which is Prologis and American Tower. Oh. So they're knocking these down on a logical play, but it has nothing to do with those components. I call that opportunity. Seriously, that's opportunity. But it goes on for over a year like this. Kicking off its dividend, doing fine, but man, it's like it just won't go anywhere. And then in the last two months, slow to recognize and then fast, straight up. I think the real estate sector is up 25% in two months. Boom. Slow 
than fast. And that's what markets do. It's like the the um, recognition that years ago when when dividends were put back as qualified, right? Where you got a tax break, they're treated like capital gains instead of just ordinary income. A huge difference, an absolutely huge difference to have something taxed as capital gains than to be taxed as ordinary income. Different bracket. So dividend payers ought to be like, whew, this is great. It took almost a year, and then all of a sudden, dividend-paying stocks took off. It, it, It doesn't always happen like when the announcement is made. And it doesn't make it right or wrong. But when you look at them individually, there's very good reasons why that have nothing to do with fundamentals for the company as to why a stock is down, meaning it's an opportunity. This is a this is back to that what you know isn't worth knowing rule number one in the uh, my 10 investment commandments. But also in those 10 commandments is what do you know that the market doesn't? Hmm. Now that's a hard one, and you got to be careful with that one because maybe you're wrong. But this is one that was pretty easily recognized that this just is a value company. Now, not certainly not with a 30% rise in Prologis and others. It's like okay, maybe that's not quite the value it was. But again, as we go into our second hour today, let's talk about what other areas could be okay. If you're afraid to chase stocks at these levels, what, what, what can we do? What should we do without predicting what the market will do? Because we all know that's a sucker's play. Don't predict. Just react. We'll be back after Fox News. Hello, welcome, and Merry Christmas, everybody. Wow, 23. We just had our winter solstice, too. Yay. Now the days are getting longer. You know, I don't know. That's Here, here's another one, right? Slow, then fast. We go slow, like it's a minute on each end. Then it becomes like three minutes on each end as we run towards the summer solstice. But it's slow, but we have passed our darkest days. So, Welcome, and these are my opinions, and we're not here to buy, 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 sell, sell, sell. I say that all the time. I mean it. I'm not just saying it. That's not a disclaimer. That's fact. That's ridiculous what we do with our brain, our file space in our brain, tying it up with nonsense and noise. And we miss the clarity that can be out there. Really do. We really, really do. You know, it's interesting. We, we, we look at uh, how areas can be not performing well and then they take off. That's markets. That's the speed of markets, right? They get this like, phew, boom. But you see, you have to be there. And, and I think we miss that. Like, those are the ones I want to catch. Like, what's going to come up in 24? What markets are going to take off? And it's like, no. What you do, how, how is it that NVIDIA is in a portfolio, right? Like in a growth portfolio? It's there because... Not because it tripled. It's there because there was a pause in the run-up in NVIDIA in 22. Not the prediction that it was then going to go up 300% in 23. That's ridiculous. It's a pause. How is it after all those years you missed out on Apple, Google, Amazon, Meta, 
that you own some now? Because you got a pause in their run up in 22 and that money's already up 100%. Isn't that crazy? We can do that periodically, and that's why we have to watch the ground conditions, not make predictions. So as we are about to make predictions, I tell you with absolute certainty that by some magnitude, these will be wrong. And what we're going to do, actually, in 24 is the same thing we did in 23 and 22 and so on. We're going to see what the ground conditions are. For 15 years, I've said this many times, we didn't own any bonds because interest rates were zero and we owned almost no cash. Now you have to have some cash if you're drawing income, but very little cash in portfolios. Everything was in equities or equity-like things. We tried to find some alternatives over here and anything you could do to, you know, lower volatility and make certain we did some structured notes, all kinds of things that you can do, okay, to make sure that for people that want cost-of-living-adjusted income all the days of their life that they can't outlive, that it's going to be there in three years when they need that check. And you can't sell down. You can't, you can't just put money in the market and then sell it and hope that things work out because it won't. This is the tricky part. This is why it's so hard for people. And then they guess the markets, and they walk around with this giant millstone around their necks, not knowing what to do. Because they've been told that, you know, all you got to do is put it in the S&P 500. That's what the, you know, Boggle told them to do. And to a degree, if you're growing your money, that's just fine, but not when you're pulling money out. It's just not okay. So you can't, anyway, so, so this, way, this is what I mean by ground conditions. If, if, if the 10-year treasury is at 2% and inflation's at 2 I can't but put 40% of a portfolio there. I don't care how many stupid Monte Carlo simulations you run, how many computer program printouts you're going to show me. It won't work, and a third grader knows that. But the thing is, is, is PhDs don't. And, and, and I promise you, this is absolutely true. You cannot imagine the number of times I went and sat through and maybe even asked questions because I wanted to talk with them later uh, about what the heck they're talking about. How can you do it? Well, this is what we always done. And da, 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 look at the computer. and it, uh, No. Think. Just Think. This isn't hard to think. I guess it is hard to think if, it, if this is what we've always done. And so I'm saying this, we go into 24, what's always done is to look at what the ground conditions are. And stuff will happen in 24, which is why it's crazy to have predictions. So is the market fairly valued? Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. It's sort of. But why is the market gone up so much this year? And particularly in the last couple of months. Why? I just have to stop and go, I don't know. You know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. You have Wall Street chasing because they were out, out. They were so far out of bounds, right? They're sitting on cash or sitting short stocks. So you got all this fueled rally of people covering their short position. You know, covering a short position isn't just a bunch of words. Listen to what that means. I am betting the market is going to go down, so I short something. Like I talked, I gave the example in the first hour of the XLRE and how that impacts all the stocks that are in real estate when you just generally go, oh, real estate bad, boom, I'm selling. Okay? 
and it affects the biggest components the most. That has nothing to do with the fundamentals of, as I pointed out, American Tower, Prologis, and others. None. Nothing. Zero. They're just in real estate, and they're in the box called the XLRE. But the short sellers are are mostly boxes doing this, right? They're the black boxes, the trading boxes that control 80% of the trading. And by any verbiage of interest rates going up, sell. Sell those down. Now, that means you're in a short position. You're selling. So what you've done is you now, in order to neutralize that position, let's say you've changed your opinion, whether it's later in the day or the next day or whatever. Black boxes don't tend to trade, you know, hold things for, they're not investing, they're trading. So you have all of these that have been short, meaning betting down, they have to buy. But let's suppose also that a lot of the black boxes are dialing it to say, we not only want to stop, cover our, our short position, we also want to buy more. And we also have the fundamentals of, you know, the other 20% of trading that mutual funds and all the others are going, hey, if interest rates are coming down, real estate looks really good, really, really good right now. If interest rates are just going to stop rising, we can own these things. And so you have that buying, but with the shorts, they're covering. So they're adding more buying. And that's where you get these straight-up ramps. Often. Okay? It's, you know, you can't really totally measure it. You just know it. I just know it from 40 years' experience that this is the stuff that's going on out there is a short covering when you see something is ramping more than it normally would. I mean, these are, we're talking about utilities. Next year, energy. <laughs> really? Come on. I mean, these utilities are, what, what the heck? After a really rough start in the year, stuff is going on that is not just fundamentals. And so as we look at this through the year, you're going to see this. And it, but, but we now have seen the areas, energy, maybe, still has some really good-looking valuations to me. You can get some high yields in that sector. There's lots of things going on out there. Good companies like Kinder Morgan with have a pipeline. I'm not telling you to buy Kinder Morgan. Remotely telling you to buy it. But believe it or not, this is a stock that's trading at 16 and change most of the year. I think it's bounced to almost 18 now, but it has like a 6 7% dividend. And they're not drilling for oil. They just run it through the pipeline. You've seen the pipeline companies in the last half of this year really take off. There's like there's some stuff that's been being bought out. And you know what's interesting? You take a a big dividend like that, and then you add a 10% growth on it, and suddenly you've got a you know nearing 20% year. That's why energy still has kind of an allure for income investors, not just the Chevron and Exxon, but that particular area looks like there's it's ripe for consolidation, first of all. We saw that with uh, Pioneer Resources being bought out by Exxon. Right here. Why? Because they, they have the most acreage in West Texas. Pioneer does. And Exxon wants that. And, and the stocks are so cheap. That's what this, that kind of merger acquisition tells you, too. That those assets are worth more than the market's valuing them by a lot. 
people don't just pay what the value is if you're trying to buy somebody else. You'll go and create the value yourself. You'll go buy land, drill it, instead of buying existing resources That if you're in the industry. So that's, that's, that's one area I would say you could look at and, and say there's some nice dividends there, very good for income portfolios, no rocket ships that I can see, and I wouldn't touch them anyway. I can't, I can't – I've dabbled over the decades I've been in the industry with the, the oil drillers and the ocean, the ocean drillers and things like that. It's like, why? All they do is they make a boatload of money and then they throw it all away. I mean, it's just, it's just it's so cyclical. Commodity business is terrible. And maybe they're going to get good, but I, I just think, I guess maybe as I've gotten older, a steady wins the race. That's just kind of the way I think. And once in a while, steady along with a great price when you get opportunities equals really great returns at a much lower risk profile than floating oil drilling platforms. They're pretty cool. The technology is pretty cool, but... Yeah, I mean, it's, they're boom bust. They're, they're, they're difficult at the very least to say, okay? So that's one area. The other area that I think is still has room to run are utilities. Uh, really, I'm, they're, they're, and, re, and real estate. That's another area that, that really underperformed until just recently. But they're, if interest rates aren't on their way to six, and maybe they're not, maybe they are, but that's my point. We're going to change. This is not like this is what's going to happen in 24. No, I'm just saying right now, which happens to be the crossover to 24, I'm always asked, well, okay, if, but what areas can we be looking at overall? Because I'm not comfortable with the market. And that's where we come back and we say the market is not monolithic. Tech stocks do good. Tech stocks do bad. Real estate, good. Bad, mediocre, and all the other stuff. Maybe all in one year. So we have to be looking all the time because there's going to be, wow, I thought NVIDIA was on the way, and boom, lost 100 points on an earnings announcement that didn't go so well. 20% in a day, in a second? Wow. It's not a prediction of what's going to happen in 24. It's just saying, hey, when something like that happens on something you like, we don't panic and freak out. We check, make sure, is the case still in play? If so, we may have an opportunity the next day to add to our position or take a position in something we wanted to, not run around with our hair on fire. So as I say these things, I say them with absolute humility. I mean it. And that we're going to be wrong. And that's great and glorious. And the areas that we feel are a little bit, you know, just hold right now. I am certainly not bearish. I don't know how you can be bearish. I don't know how you can be bullish. I, I said that six months ago. I said that six years before that. There are very few times. Beginning of 09 is one that comes to mind right off. Where you just have to be table-pounding bullish, and nobody, because nobody is. Because the end of the world is here. And it was. I get it. It was everything we could do to get people to hang on. Not buy. But there are times, and there are times in certain things, and like bonds, high-yield bonds. Not regular bonds, but high-yield bonds. Where credit spreads, spreads blow out. And it's a back-up-the-truck stuff. 
It's like the the world is ending or we're going to make so much money. So much money. That's what I mean. Sometimes the risk reward is so great. But I don't see that. I just don't see that around in, in, in really anything except AI. But it's priced. Unless you can find little ones like the electrical conductor ones that aren't so overpriced yet. But saying, you know, I'm going to get on this AI thing, I'm going to buy NVIDIA is like so yesterday. I mean, I, I, it's okay to do. Don't get me wrong. I'm not selling my NVIDIA. But that's not insight. That's not buying cheap. That's not finding an area or taking advantage of an opportunity. As we head into 24 and say, here's the REITs. Not bad. Big rally. Gee whiz, big rally in the last two months. Utilities. Okay. All right. Not bad. Good rally in the last two months, but yeah, people don't really like them very much right now. It's not like it's red hot. Energy. Now, none of these, by the way, i got to quickly say this before we jump to a commercial, okay? It is one of those things you've got to understand. This is not a big part of the market. Those are the tiniest sectors in the S&P 500. They're so tiny. First of all, technology is like nearly 40%. I mean, I'm talking about IT technology, you know, right? I mean, consumer, whatever. But technology really is everything in the market. And the best oil companies are tech companies, right? What changed everything in Texas was technology. Not they suddenly found oil. They found out how to get it out of shale with technology and fracking. So watch technology and everything. Everything. Because it's all tech all the time. And especially running hard with AI coming. Okay, so be very careful with that. But but these are small areas of the market. So so when we talk about market not being monolithic, market was up last year. This sector's down. This sector did almost nothing. This sector underperformed. That sector outperformed. What drives the market generally is tech. The big guys drive the market. It doesn't mean the little guys are going up too. It means their performance is everything in the market because of the weighting that they have for the index. Okay? All right. We're going to take a quick break. Our number is 580-KIDO. We'll be right back. Hello, welcome, and once again, thank you for joining us, and thank you for joining us all year and for 33 or 4 years. Wow, just crazy. So I ran into uh, Joe Prin. Actually, he's he, he's one of our, our clients. And Joe Prin, if you remember, used to do the Home Fix show here. He's on, an, on, on the other station now. But uh, Joe, Joe and I got on the air about the same time. I just kind of, you know, it just was funny. It was at our Christmas party um, for our clients and um, got, you know, I got to see him and we chatted a, a, a fair amount. He was, we were trying to wonder when exactly we got on air. Well, he knows. So I know it's like two months later. So that's how far back the two of us go um, on the air is like 34 years in Boise. This is just crazy. Absolutely crazy. I can't believe it. I don't even know if I got 34 more years left in me, period, of any kind. But it's just hard to imagine all those years rolled by. And here we are. 23 is about to sunset. Let's go to Patriot Ray. Ray, how are you, sir? Good morning. I am awesome. But you know, the one thing I really appreciate about you, Dave, is 
you are a positive individual. You don't run around with your hair on fire like it seems like every other analyst does in today. Mm. So I just really wanted to wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We love what you do. We appreciate what you put out there. God bless you, my friend. You have a good day, and take care of yourself. And keep doing the good work. Patriot Ray, wow, you just made my day, buddy. Thank you. That's so kind of you. Thank well, you. Thank you very much, and God you bless you and your appreciate family. appreciate the things you do. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you. God bless. Thank you. God bless. Wow, that's so nice. Thank you very much. All right. Let's... I'd probably just take a commercial break after that. That's just like, we're done today. That was so nice. Thank you. Our number is 580-5436-580-KIDO. Ray's another guy that's been around for a long time. My goodness. I think Patriot Ray and a couple others were did a radio program. Yeah, when Kevin first got here, I thought they came in on a regular basis anyway. I think I'm right. Uh, you know, just a couple weeks ago, this is the generosity of Boise, Idaho. It just struck me, and I had to look it up. Because we are, our office, we've been involved with Seven Cares. I've been involved with K, K, KTVB for years and years and years, thanks to Doug Armstrong. And I just, I, I just so enjoyed my time there. And, and of course, you know, Larry Gebert was always there. Mark Johnson was always there at those. And they were just, you know, in fact, Larry would be like, no, I'm the guy that's going to go across the ice and go to Twin Falls. You know, that's just the kind of guy he was. And I mean that. He, 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 he did so much for charities. And by the way, I see that with Kevin Miller, by the way. I see that same type of thing that is just what, what can he do to raise awareness in this community? It's just Larry Gebert-like. But anyway, ran into Mark Johnson, who made another appearance here at the Albertson Stadium. So it's neat to see people coming out of retirement, grabbing the microphone and having a great old time in something that is just a fun thing that Idaho does. It's very, it's great. I think they raise over a million dollars a year now. And it started from just the studio, just putting the word out, and then the cars lined up into something like two dozen, maybe three dozen locations and dozens and dozens of companies that write big checks, have their their own clients add to it. And it's just a neat thing. So anyway, I just wanted to have, you know just mention that in this charitable time, if you will, that... Again, a million dollars out of this community is a big deal for the people at the rescue mission and the food bank and the Salvation Army. Just an enormous, enormous amount. Because they can do it so cheaply, and do, that it really does buy hundreds of thousands of meals. It really does because of all the volunteer time as well as those people that are there working are just some of the poorest paid people, but they are on a mission. They really are. They are just on a mission. So anyway, Merry Christmas to everybody. Merry Christmas to all of them, and thank them, to folks at Channel 7, the folks in the past, Larry Gebert, and as well as Kevin Miller, who, are, who has kind of taken that up quietly. 
And he certainly didn't tell me that, but that's what it feels like to me. So God bless all of them. I am going to do this. I'm going to take a quick break here to get back on track, play our Fox News at the bottom of the hour, and hopefully come back and we'll take your calls at 580-5436-580-KIDO. If you prefer email, that's Dave at PetsoFinancial.net. We'll be right back. Hello, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. And don't forget to join us at PetsoFinancial.com. If you want any calculators, articles, ideas for your own, you know, some help for your own financial planning, that stuff is there, including podcasts. And don't forget about our YouTube as well. We've got YouTube videos that we post. We Typically, those are just Zoom calls we're doing with clients, but uh, I know people like to do that, and sometimes they're posting whether, you know, because you can't tune in at 10 o'clock on Wednesday or whatever, and there it is. But also, if you subscribe and allow alerts, then they'll let you know when a new one's posted. So there you go. And our number here is 580-KIDO, Dave at PetzoFinancial.net. Let's go to Lewis. Lewis, from somewhere in Idaho, it says. Oh, Caldwell. <laughs> Caldwell. Okay, there you go. Okay. Welcome, Lewis. I, yeah, I, I just have a question about ESGs and how they might affect the market in 2024. And is there a way to screen and only buy companies that don't participate in ESGs? I, I, I want your opinion on that. Yeah, there's uh, two ways to look at that. First of all, I really I don't screen for ESG. I don't screen for non-ESG, uh, meaning there 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 are people that do that. And BlackRock famously has gotten in a lot of trouble here over the past year, and it really has hurt the company a great deal. It shows the arrogance of people who often you know not all billionaires uh, by any stretch, but. You know, when people build something and it turns into a billion dollar, multi-billion dollar, the largest money manager in the world, most powerful people, then they're like, oh, well, I think everybody needs to think like I do. So we're going to use all of the all of the voting that's here, um, whether you want to or not, and we're going to start pushing climate change and all those other things. And to a degree, that's peaked out. That kind of peaked out with Exxon a couple of years ago when an unknown uh, um person a company got on the board there but again that's only one vote on the board and so now esg is kind of backed in the corner so lewis let me let me put it this way lots of esg out there there is a company out there and i'm I, for some reason i'm just losing it i'll i'll get it back before the end of the, of the program but you can also google it like non-esg etf and for some reason it starts with an s and i just it's just lost right there but they they did this specifically to be uh, to have investments in companies that do that think the not opposite of uh, like like really it's like ESG oh yeah if you're not an ESG company you what you do is you burn tires you can't wait to dump sewage into the rivers that's who you are I mean nobody wants dirty air and you know the a bad environment it's 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 idiotic this whole discussion but what I think that people ought to do you can search for that and you can do that but what I think we're getting away from now is this idea that what I want to do, that I'm making a difference by me buying an ESG company. Like, that company is more woke. Okay, good. Disney's really woke, and it's, man, it's really paying off for them, isn't it? As the, as the whole company with these amazing assets is cratering. You know, it, 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 I think what happens is markets fix this. Maybe not as quick as you want, 
But Lewis, I think it's getting fixed because people are not acting this stupid anymore. And, and, and the more Harvard refuses to get rid of Looney Tune people, the more people become aware, there's no way I'm going to send my kids to that school. No way. And I, and I think things are changing. Go ahead. Thank you for your insight. I appreciate it. You got it. You got it, Lewis. Thank you okay. for your call. I appreciate you uh, calling in today. And have a Merry Christmas. Oh. Okay. Merry Christmas. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Bye now. And our number is 580-5436-580-KID-GO. Let's go to Harold in Twin Falls. Harold. Good morning, Dave. Good morning. I'm calling to, I, I'm calling to ask a question about China and kind of kept pick up where you and Kevin uh, left off a couple of weeks ago. Okay. It seems like China and their seemingly subtle ownership of U.S. debt and accumulation of our resources is sort of their version of of a war. Cause when I'm the, of a similar generation to you and age, and I, me, and I'm guessing you, when we were kids, we thought that if China attacked us or Russia did, it'd be more similar to like World War II or kind of Russia and Ukraine now. Mm-hmm. But now it seems like they they figured out that they can control own, you know, a portion of our debt and get I'm guessing quarterly payments back and and then also get resources and influence and control. Does that make sense or am I on a lost yeah. tangent? No, actually I'll I'll uh, I'll grab part of that and you can come back if there's any follow up, okay? Yeah. Okay, first of all, um, just so you know, the bond payments are are, are every six months, okay? So okay. they're not like dividend payments quarterly, but I'm not trying to correct mm-hmm. you. I just want you to know. And, and that's yeah. generally the case. As far as influence on those, there is no influence. I, I wish the Chinese had all of our debt because then it would mm-hmm. be like really easy to say, well, you know, who cares? We're going to default. You know, it's right. it's 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 uh, when people say, "Oh my gosh, the Chinese own so much debt." It's like, okay, why is that bad? It's debt, and we're finally reaching the point where we're not allowing them to buy cornfields next to army bases. Right? I mean, it's ridiculous mm-hmm. what we've done. It's it's particularly ridiculous what Biden has done. I mean, the idea that they just let balloons float over the U.S. and pretend they're not spy balloons is is absurd. These guys are just ridiculously incompetent or afraid. I don't know what it is, but either way, we've allowed them to keep push, push, pushing, and that needs to stop, and I think it is, um, it, because it is not popular with the, with the public to allow us to be walking around, apologizing, begging them to come to meetings, and watching them in, invade Hong Kong. It's not popular. And so even the Democrats uh, are realizing this is not a winning strategy to try to appease China. So I, you're hearing more. Uh, they're stopping more of the, uh, uh, if, if you will, of actually owning things, which is influential in the U.S. So Chinese own things. I have no idea why TikTok is, 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 is allowed. I, I have none. I have actually no, no idea why um, LinkedIn or whatever, and I'm not, that's the wrong one. Um, mm-hmm. The one that targets kids. It might be LinkedIn. There's another couple of them. But, but these are, I mean, it's like bad behavior all the time. It's like Facebook cannot behave well. They, they, wanna, they want to make sure that kids are, are addicted to how they look, 
um, and, 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 and are addicted to the, the high suicide rates, depression rates. They're addicted to getting kids uh, hooked on porn. It just goes on and on. And this is Facebook all over the place. And they run, right. them up to, they run them up to the Congress, yell at them for a while, and then they're gone. But this idea that we let TikTok do this nonstop is ridiculous. It's Chinese-owned. It's Chinese-controlled. They're pulling data, and all they want to do is undermine the United States. They want us to use drugs. They want us to uh, empathize with Palestine, uh, not Israel, and, and the, it just goes on and on. It's propaganda, and we allow it. I don't understand that. That's where our focus is. It's not on the debt. And that's where people right. misunderstand. Have them own all kinds of stuff. I don't care. They can own all our debt for all I care. Then if we default or the uh, inflation takes and, and devalues it, it's their money, not ours. That, of course, will never happen because there's so much owned by the U.S. anyway. And, right, and the yeah. U.S. textbook. <laughs> And Japan apparently owns more of it than China. But it's just kind of interesting that we we mail them, you know, the dividend checks and pay, you know, so they're sort of just getting a little bit of fluff off of the debt that they've paid, you know, they bought from us. Yeah, but every, anybody is free to do that. You can, too. I chose yeah. not to buy 2% 10-year treasuries for f 15 <laughs> years. I thought that was a really bad idea. And, um, and, and I'm glad that the Chinese did because that's what they bought. So I think that those are, um, and they're still paying 2%. So I, I, I don't, it's, it's a wide open market to whoever wants to buy it and own it. And, and I think, and what we should do is say, isn't it great? Even our enemies feel they need to own our debt because there's nowhere safer in the world. That's why the U.S. dollar is still king. And as far yeah, as the I mean, eye can see, it will be. Yeah, it makes sense to uh, have your person that owe, you buy the debt from the strongest chance of getting your money back. It's you know, why you put it in the, a bank when the interests are good. Yeah. Zimbabwe I, pays I a lot more interest than the United States. Zimbabwe does. So. Yeah, but it's just not. <laughs> the, but you're not going to get your money back. Exactly. <laughs> 100% of nothing is 100% of nothing. That's right. You got I, it. I think you're right about TikTok, and everyone is so distracted by keeping their eye off the ball. It's like a weapon in disguise, and people don't think that consuming t people's attention, time, and yep. productivity in a way <laughs> is affecting productivity. And then, of course, harvesting all, especially with AI's ability to harvest all the information and process the grundles of stuff and then create a demographic of who they can assault better, essentially. Yeah. Dumbing down of America continues, for sure. <laughs> Harold, thank you so much, and uh, Merry Christmas to you and your family. You as well. Enjoy the holidays and stay well. Thank you. You too. And our number is 580-5436-580-KIDO. I've got to take our final break. So, Lyle, you hang on, and we'll grab you on the other side of this break. Hello, welcome, and thank you for joining us. Oh, my gosh, this is just about it uh for 24 i know what you're thinking no that's next week and, and but the answer is we recorded already we did that yesterday afternoon for next week because it's usually a kind of a slow one but that is not a don't tune in i think it's one of the best programs we've ever done i'm not kidding you um it really is it's just it, i think it's packed full of information we intentionally also did this did did some targeting because i know there are some folks here uh, you know, their kids are back for college and things like that. 
and you're trying to get your kids to understand something about finances and they just roll their eyes and you know and you're just going you just don't understand if you just started if i'd have started 20 years earlier and you can right i mean it's that kind of thing so we got some of that is in there as well so i hope you enjoy it but let's go right now to the phones lyle thank you for calling go ahead please Hey, Dave, good morning. I greatly appreciate your show, and thank you for sharing your perspective on uh, financial things that I uh, I have trouble uh, comprehending. But in regards to uh, Joe Biden and our relations with, with uh, foreign entities, basically, in my view, if you're, if you're a Ukrainian oil and gas company and you hire Hunter Biden, when Hunter's father becomes president of the United States, as president of the United States, he shuts down oil and gas production, making Burisma's oil and gas more profitable. Mm-hmm. If you're a Chinese company, a Chinese entity, and you pay James Biden millions of dollars, when Joe becomes president, he handles relations with China. Oh, it's a, it's, it's a weather balloon. We're not going to shoot it down. It might kill a cow in Montana. We're going to let it float across the entire country and then make a show of blowing it up over the Atlantic Ocean. I don't think it's fear. I think it's Joe. Joe Biden is a useful asset to any foreign entity that will put a dollar into his family's pocket. Well, that's fair. I you know, I'm not a conspiracy guy and and obviously Kevin is uh, has a has an entire show dedicated to that, but I I'm not going to disagree with anything you say. It's certainly at the very least they're compromised, and it may be as not as overt, uh, but either way, it's incredibly dangerous, and incredibly stupid, and it's obviously corrupt as heck. It just yeah, you know, the things it's sad. It's the a things really sad we're thing. doing like like with our agreement with China. As far as global warming, America is going to shut down much of its energy infrastructure, and China is going to promise to start shutting down in, what, 2050, 2060, 2070? Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, as bad as Joe Biden is, his mental condition, I cannot believe he is honestly that ignorant it's it's a design and uh, it's sad, but uh, again, I appreciate your show, your perspective that I share with my children uh, as, as far as not putting, not investing money in Starbucks, investing in their retirement funds. It's been a, a blessing to to my family. So God awesome. bless you. God bless you. Thank you so much, Lyle. Hope you have a wonderful Christmas. Thanks and thanks for your call. Uh, really appreciate that. That's great. I love to hear that because, you know, it's been a long haul and sometimes you do feel like you're talking to the wind and, and I don't, I don't feel that way anymore. I I used to at times. It's like, I can't believe people, you know, are getting this much in debt and so on. Yeah. I can't fix it all. I can't fix it all. So Bo's in here and he's a great kid and I, I don't really know, but I'll bet you anything. I'll bet you anything. Some of the stuff we're talking about is sinking in. And he's going to be a tremendous investor if he's not already. That's what I think. That's what I know. You can't be around this. You can't understand. You can't hear it and not go, hmm, you know, I, I, could, I could do a cup of coffee a day. Why am I not? I throw more than that away. 
every day. And I'd never notice. Yeah, I mean, I have one less beer in a bar for a week or two. And you're like, there it is. It's not a big deal. Does it mean you don't have fun? <laughs> Hell no. No, it doesn't. It's not. Sorry, I cursed there. I didn't mean to do that. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that at all. It means you have control over a part of your life that some don't. And when you do, that brings much more joy and happiness because being out of control is not a fun thing. I mean, it's obviously you have moments in your life you want to be out of control laughter, out of control fun, out of control dancing, where you're just in the moment. Out of control passion is fantastic, but it's a moment. It's not a thing. It's not like out of control. I'm, you know, what's fun for me is being out of control with money. I love that. I love piling it up. I love worrying about it. Nobody likes that. So it leads to more happiness and joy. And so I appreciate that very much. All right. We are right at record highs in the S&P as we enter 2024. We are at new time highs. All new. All time highs. In the Dow. Are we going to have a Christmas rally this week? We'll see. Does it matter? No. But seven out of seven years in a row we have blah, 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 blah. Let's do some numerology to figure out what investors are going to do. And that's crazy. But 24 is going to bring some surprises. And if there is a defining thing that I've been trying to get across the last couple of years, more than a couple, is that we do not have to predict the markets. We just simply have to react to what they're giving us. When they give us zero interest rates, we don't buy bonds. When they are telling us, hey, you can buy the greatest corporations in the world, Amazon, et cetera, for 40 50% off, we just do. We just go do that. And that's what I mean is going to happen this year. Stuff will happen. Predictions will be rewritten, scratched off, and moved out. That's going to happen. I hope you have a Merry Christmas and a prosperous 2024. Thanks for joining.